You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is Ruv English. I'm Darren Adam. Thank you as ever for your time. And I'm joined today by my colleague Odda Thorvarsson here at Ruv, who works on the foreign desk and covers a lot of the foreign stories that Ruv brings to you. That doesn't mean you're any less interested in what happens here in Iceland. Of definitely course, Odda, not. Definitely. Happy to be here, Darren. Delighted to have you here as well. We are going to talk about a story that has a, a pretty serious foreign implication in just a few minutes time but we'll start domestically we'll start with the latest round of industrial unhappiness you might say this is between the BSRB union and the association of Icelandic municipalities they met yesterday we're recording this conversation on Friday by the time this conversation is published on Monday by the time you're listening to it it's entirely possible that uh, the, the optimistic outcome that everybody is hoping for will will not arise and there will be significant strike action yeah general strikes actually uh, for the people that uh, are under BSRB, uh, government workers uh, and work people working for uh, municipalities and local councils, uh, people working in docks, mm. uh, kindergartens, and uh, these kind of schools of uh, employment for uh, for young kids starting uh, mm. uh, to uh, come out to the job market. Um, so this will have pretty serious uh, repercussions if it happens. The chairperson of the Municipalities Negotiation Committee, Inga Runolavsdottir, did say the meeting on Thursday was good and she hopes that the good conversation continues. One thing we can certainly talk about is what happened when Epling and SA had their dispute. That did lead to strike action. In the end, there was a, a tremendous build-up to that, of course, and huge coverage of the dispute as it seemed to become ever more complicated and ever more unpleasant. Yeah. In the end, the strike action, when it started, as I recall, didn't really go on for that long. No, not really. Um, um, and I say, because back then, it, it, it was so recently that we had this huge... Uh, wage negotiation happen. Uh, news coverage uh, all day around, all week, all month. Uh, I, I, I suspect there's less interest uh, among the general public for mm-hmm. wage negotiation coverage today. And even with the reporters themselves, um, it's, uh, I mean, the the players in this wage negotiation are mm-hmm. entirely different than the last time. You yeah. had uh, very strong opposing figures last time, but this time round uh, they're uh, more reserved. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I was I don't know about you, but I was seeing the chair of Epling in my sleep. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and indeed the, the the head of SA as well. Yes. For, as as he was then. Of course, he's now quit that role, hasn't he? He's yeah. off doing something else. So you're right. There were two very big personalities, which and quite media friendly personalities, yes. which got them onto the front pages exactly. and into the TV shows and all the rest of it. And maybe as well, what's happened is that, as we said, when the strike action took place last time. It didn't go on for very long. This is a nuclear option for the uh, workers' unions. Let's turn to Althingi and the request from the Ukrainian government, which they approved earlier this week. Some time ago, the Ukrainian government asked for Iceland's help with the purchase of an emergency hospital for Ukraine. This would be a mobile hospital not connected to infrastructure. It could move around and be very helpful and save lives. And Althingi said yes this week. Uh, this is a very important step, I think, for the Icelandic government uh, to show not only just financial support, but physical support as well. Because we don't have an army. We we have no uh, guns we can send or missiles or missile defense systems or anything. Uh, but we can send uh, both money and, of course, 
hospitals, healthcare, mm. and uh, social care as well. And knowledge. Yes, as knowledge well. as well, yeah. 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 Um, so this is a, a very important step, and I think the government, especially the foreign minister, Thotis Kolpunrek for Kilvototir, is very proud of, mm. of having achieved this. And unilateral support in Althingia, yeah, I think, for this uh, hospital. And also, there was a proposal that the parliament condemn the abduction of Ukrainian children. This came from the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee of Althingi. Difficult to imagine why anyone would argue against that, but of mm. course no one did. And Thorin Sven Bjarnadottir, who is an MP for the uh, Social Democratic Alliance, said that by approving that proposal, Althingi was sending a clear message to the rest of the world. Again, hard to argue with that, I think. Yeah, uh, and this particular uh, thing, the abduction of children from Ukraine and into Russia, has been uh, described as a war crime yeah. committed by uh, Vladimir Putin and his uh, uh, and uh, his uh, government. Um, and he is actually being uh, brought to justice by... Uh, there ha- uh, An arrest warrant has been uh, given out uh, on Vladimir Putin for this particular... Uh, thing mm. uh, for abducting children. Do you think Ukraine. that the Council of Europe, of course, which met only for the fourth time ever mm-hmm. in, in Iceland just a, a few short weeks ago, do you think that that has given Iceland credibility, is maybe the right word to use, in the world's eyes, in the eyes of various other governments? So when Iceland says something such as we condemn what Russia is doing, is more attention now paid, do you think? It's hard to say. Um, it was uh, a very proud moment for Iceland and the Icelandic government as the hosts of uh, the European, uh, the Council of Europe uh, summit uh, last month. Um, but still, uh, these sorts of summit are happening uh, mm. quite frequently. Yeah. Only yesterday there was a summit in Kisinau in, in Moldova where the European leaders met and, and discussed. And Vladimir Zelensky even appeared. Uh, he didn't uh, in Reykjavik, so, uh, which probably uh, you know, uh, made the uh, meeting in Harpa uh, less important than it could have think? been. I think so, yeah. Because uh, we, we didn't, I mean, say we, no one knew until about midday on the first day exactly, that he yeah. wasn't coming. Yeah, and uh, I think even though they didn't admit, uh, the hosts... Uh, probably felt a little bit disappointed that yeah. he didn't show up. Yeah. It would have meant uh, more media coverage, uh, you know, outside of Iceland, yeah. in the UK, the US, uh, Europe as well, uh, and made probably the uh, meeting more historic than it will be. Yes. Uh, it will be historic in Icelandic terms, definitely. This is one of the biggest meetings or biggest events ever uh, hosted in Iceland. Yeah. But uh, I think... Globally and in terms of global history, it will not be that significant. But you think if Zelensky had been here, it might have been a bit closer to Reagan Gorbachev? Yes, it would have been. Yes, yeah. in terms of the world's recognition of the event. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. My memory of that a few weeks ago is that you probably didn't sleep for about two days. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> or, or go home for. About oh, two I, I was days. just here all day, <laughs> and I mean, it was like Christmas for us working the foreign desk, having all these uh, foreign leaders come yeah, here yeah. and uh, being able to report that firsthand. Because uh, at the foreign desk, we often just take stories from abroad and uh, we, uh, you know, translate them and 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 uh, and publish them for Icelandic mm. people to read in Icelandic. But uh, this was happening here. We were reporting on it here, something we were reporting firsthand. Yes. It was like Christmas for us. And that's why, for example, you had the Icelandic Prime Minister and the Foreign Minister 
speaking in English yes. to Rouve correspondents, which some people were a little bit confused about. But that's because they weren't just addressing an Icelandic audience. And I know this because part of my job is to get some of that coverage and that content out to other European broadcasters. Exactly. They were addressing a bigger audience and, and English was just the convenient language, I suppose. Yes. As a host nation and as a host broadcaster, yes. RUV, R, RUV had, to, um, uh, had to broadcast an English broadcast and uh, send that out to... Uh, uh, to other uh, TV channels. Going back to the hospital which is being purchased on behalf of Ukraine, 1.2 billion kroner. It'll take about six months to complete, and as we say, it can be operated independently without connection to infrastructure. So it's a very clear example, I think, to go back to what you said at the start of this part of the conversation, a very clear example of how a country that doesn't have an army, doesn't have armed services, can nonetheless be helpful in a situation like this. Yeah. And in a meaningful way. Uh, yeah. This hospital will uh, mainly be uh, used up by uh, uh, wounded soldiers in Ukraine. Uh, so I think it's a great cause for Iceland to uh, to support. Yeah. Let's turn to something which a lot of people outside of Iceland consider to be wrong and something that they don't like about Iceland, and that is whaling, whale hunting. A new poll out just on Friday... Uh, from Maskina, the polling company, says that now, and I think this is for the first time, the majority of Icelanders are now opposed to the country whaling. 51%, so a slim majority, but significant. It was 40, uh, 44%. Two, yeah, 40. Sorry, 40, you're right, 42% just uh, a few years ago. So significant that this is now over the, the halfway mark? Yeah, I, I think so. It it, it marks a sort a certain uh, a shift in uh, paradigm for a lot of Icelanders to think. Uh, there was a, a few days back uh, news coverage mm. uh, where videos were shown that were uh, uh, taped from inside the whaling boats and you could see how the process is, the whaling process. Uh, the whales are shot mm. essentially with these long... Uh, Harpoons. Yeah, harpoons, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes it even takes two, three, four, even five harpoons mm. that e essentially explode inside the whale. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a gruesome way of, uh, of, uh, of hunting, essentially, so, uh, and something that probably a lot of people oppose now yeah. after seeing these videos. I think that report has shifted the needle on this a bit. This is the MAST report from the veterinary authority, essentially, mm -hmm. of Iceland, as you say, that as is its right and its duty, monitors the hunts. Mm -hmm. There was one whale with a harpoon on its back chased for five hours mm -hmm. unsuccessfully. Yes. So you can only imagine the kind of pain and misery that that whale is, went through for we just don't know how long. Mm -hmm. What's interesting as well is that in this survey, there is a, a, a split in terms of who favours whaling and who doesn't. It splits on gender, it splits on age educational status, and also whether you live in the capital area or in a rural area. Yes. 60% of people in the capital area think that whaling has had a negative effect on tourism. 43% of people in rural areas. So yes. a, big, a big split along these lines. This is very often a split in Iceland, yeah. uh, rural versus uh, the capital city. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, And not surprising that this matter is, is quite split between these two areas. Um, what is interesting is... Uh, uh, I uh, because I used to live abroad. I lived mm. in the UK for a bit, mm. and uh, my friends there uh, they said, "Oh yeah, I've been to Iceland, a uh, great country, but uh, the whaling, we don't like the whaling." And uh, their uh, their misunderstanding was along the lines of, "Well, everybody in Iceland must love whaling." Mm. 
as we see now, that's definitely not the case. And there's another misunderstanding because it's not a big industry in Iceland. No. Whaling is often done even though uh, it produces a net loss. And there's only this one guy doing it. There's only one guy with one company that does whaling in Iceland. So mm. it's not a big industry. There's not a lot of people doing it. Um, it's basically just this one guy. And, well, half of the people uh, are opposed and half of the people approve. So mm. that's you, you have to keep that in mind. It's not a lot of people doing it. Maybe also what's ultimately driving this, you know, we mentioned the mass report in the video, but in the long term, it's economics, isn't it? And if Iceland and Icelanders make more money from watching whales mm -hmm. than hunting them, yes. then that's going to change opinion too. It definitely will, yeah. And I think the uh, the opinions have shifted as the tourism, tourism boom uh, heightens, uh, especially like after the uh, financial crash of 2008. Mm. Um, tourists kept flocking in and uh, they wanted to see whales and we offered whale watching. Mm. And after that sort of happened, I think uh, there was a, a bit of a shift in opinion, definitely. I'm always interested by the people who give the really surprising uh, answers in surveys. For example, 7% of people in the capital area think that whaling has had a positive impact on tourism. <laughs> yes, exactly. Slightly puzzling. Yes. I mean, you could make a case for it if you really want to, I suppose, but but uh, I don't <laughs> you'd think... struggle. Yeah, you'd struggle to find <laughs> arguments to support that, uh, that case, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, seven percent of people—that's a lot. Yeah, that yeah. have this opinion, that share this opinion. I, I do sometimes wonder with some surveys if um, you know, if sometimes if they're done online, if people just tick the wrong box. I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> that's, probably, uh, that is a significant shift in so many ways from just uh, a few years ago in 2019, and not the last time. I suspect there'll be a conversation about whaling. Definitely, yeah. Uh, for some time. Let's talk about May. Let's talk about the month just gone. It was officially the least sunny May, the least sunny fifth month of the year in the capital ever. Yeah. It felt like it. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> and I think people are just now starting to feel the summer coming on yeah. because uh, with all the social media, you now have memories. Uh, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, they're always yes. showing what you did last year, the year before. Yeah. Um, uh, and around mid-May last year, people were sunbathing. They were, uh, you know, it felt like they were abroad, mm. but they were still back home in Iceland. And uh, we certainly didn't feel that this May. Well, it's funny you mentioned the Facebook memories because mine this year are going to be interesting. You know, last summer and for the last eight years, we, we were living between London and Edinburgh. I was in London during the week doing my job Monday to Friday, and it was just unbelievable bearably hot particularly last year it reached yeah. 40 degrees in may in well in in, in july i think but in, in oh, the yeah, summer yeah, 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 yeah. but you know anything above above about 15 is too hot for me anyway yeah. so i was melting i agree i was hating it so my facebook memories are just me moaning about <laughs> how hot it is and how much i wish i was in iceland yeah, so yeah. Be because we get quite a nice climate <laughs> during the summer we don't get these massive heat waves that you see in the mainland yeah uh, we get like you say maybe 15 20 sometimes between 20 and 25 degrees mm. and it's a lot drier here uh the air isn't as humid uh so uh, the temperature yeah, yeah in my and both of our opinions probably perfect during the yeah I'd, I'd i'd keep it roughly where it is now yeah. so it doesn't get any hotter i mean you, you, talking about being dry it wasn't especially dry in Reykjavik in may either the third wettest month so oh, it was wow. very wet and it was very cloudy the, the sun did not shine but if you are seeking brighter conditions warmer temperatures 
uh, Kristen Björg Olofsdottir from the Icelandic Met Office saying that actually May is not a great guide. So, you know, you could have a terrible May, but it oh, doesn't yeah. necessarily predict what's going to happen in, in June or July. Yeah, and I think uh, the person probably most disappointed with the weather in May mm. is the, uh, the CEO of the Central Bank. Because he has been opposed of Icelanders going abroad because yeah. that uh, spikes <laughs> inflation and then he has to, uh, you know, spike interest rates in accordance. Uh, and with the weather being so bad, he probably saw a lot of people going abroad, yeah. spending their money instead of saving it, and which then again, yeah, uh, spikes inflation. So he is probably hoping for better conditions in June. Who is going to stay at home and not go on holiday for the sake of the economy? No That's one. a tough sell. <laughs> yes. We had this conversation last week on the show. No one's going to do that, are they? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, other nations do it. I think, uh, so I've heard Germans when, you know, the government says, please don't go abroad because we're trying to help the economy. <laughs> Germans say, okay, well, then I'm just yeah. going to. I'm just imagining that pitch being made in the UK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not going to fly. No. And in Iceland, it doesn't fly as well. Yeah. I, it, it did strike me as, as interesting that you had the, the head of the central bank explicitly making the link between going on holiday mm -hmm. and this rise in inflation. Just not a case I'd ever heard made before. He is probably one of the most disputed uh, heads of the central bank in mm. in quite a long time. Uh, of course, when uh, the financial crash happened, we had a former prime minister, mm. uh, David Otsum. He was the head of the central bank, a very disputed figure. Um, but since then, we probably haven't had uh, as famous of, of a head of uh, the central bank as, as Oscar Jonsson, who is yeah. now the head of Well, taking it back to the weather, which is how we got on to that, when will people write the summer off, do you think? If it gets to, you know, the longest day, once we get past the 21st, 22nd of June, when the nights start to lengthen again, happily, as far as I'm concerned, because yeah. I just think it's weird when it's <laughs> still daylight at midnight. Mm. Once we get past that, if it still doesn't feel like summer, will, do you think Icelanders will go, well, this summer's a washout, it's not going to happen? There's still always hope. Uh, I think the summer lasts uh, from maybe the start of June, mid-May, definitely mm. not this May, but usually when the conditions are better. And up until um, uh, this famous weekend in the start of August, mm. the first weekend of August, uh, well, as we Icelanders call it, uh, after that, people agree that, well, uh, the, uh, the sunlight doesn't appear as much uh, during the night, mm. and we're going to have, uh, like, uh, the nights are going to be darker. And the evenings as well, uh, and I think that's a, that's a point where people say, "Yeah, summer's over now," mm -hmm. uh, and uh, people, you know, usually end their vacations with this big weekend. Uh, so yeah, probably by that time, people are going to be back at work, and the summer's going to be over. Yeah, and I, I don't pretend that my view on this is in any way typical, but I've already bought quite a few Christmas presents. I've already decided. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I've decided which decorations are going where. Oh, wow. I can't wait. So Iceland is the perfect place for me for at least eight months of the year. Yeah. But the bit in the middle where it's really bright, May's been great because there's been daylight, but it's not been too sunny. It's not yeah. been too bright. So so I, I'm very much in the roll-on October camp. Oh, I, I can't I be the only one, surely. 
No, definitely not. And you must appreciate the sort of change in season. There's such a dramatic change in the seasons. Yeah, because, and there is a change in seasons, which you don't see to the same extent in other places. So definitely, there's seasonality. There's a real sense of things changing. I mean, it's only, well, it's maybe four or five months since we were digging our cars out of snow drifts. Exactly. Uh, For now, Odda, thank you very much again. We shall talk again, I have no doubt, uh, here on Roof English. That's Odda Thordeson, who is my colleague here at Roof English. And you are, of course, on the foreign desk and the fruits of your labour go out on a Saturday on, on Rauset. Uh, yes, uh, every month on Saturday, Rauset, uh, I will be appearing uh, after the uh, the lunch news hour um, and my uh, fellow members mm. of the foreign desk also. So yeah, And occasionally here on Roof English, I think we've done this a couple of times and we will again, because you interview international guests Mm -hmm. a lot of the time those interviews originate in English yes and you aren't able to broadcast them in English on roof but we can here on roof English exactly so we may well be carrying some of that content again over the course of the the next few weeks and months yeah always have to work with you Darren order a pleasure thank you very much indeed this is roof English I'm Darren Adam and we'll play out as ever with a piece of music get in touch if you want to contact me or the show or Roof English we are English at ruv.is Yo 
are listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.